What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook, and this week I'm talking with freelance wellness writer, Diana Kelly. On the podcast, we often talk to practitioners like health coaches and yoga teachers and acupuncturists and people actually out there working with clients to help them lead healthier, more thriving lives. But the wellness industry is so much bigger than that. And this week, we're talking to an expert from a different part of the wellness industry. Diana Kelly is a freelance writer who writes about health and wellness for major magazines and websites. And she's going to be sharing with us how she got started, how she gets leads and sources on her stories, and some tips if you'd like to start doing some freelance wellness writing as well. And to be honest, for the vast majority of us out there, even the practitioners, we are writing about wellness because so many of us are creating written content like blogs and books and ebooks and articles. So I think you'll find this interview with Diana Kelly really useful. But before we get into that, can you believe it? Tomorrow is December 1st, December 1st, 2015. It's almost the end of the year. I cannot believe how quickly this year has gone by. So I've got 2016 planning just completely stuck in my brain. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been working on my own 2016 planning for my businesses, as well as helping clients with it as well. And this is the time of year to carve out a few hours in your schedule in the next couple of weeks before the holiday craziness sets in and plan out your 2016. And so with that in mind, I created what I think is a really awesome resource that I'm going to give to all of you for free to help you plan your 2016. I've created the Wellpreneur Marketing Bootcamp 2016 Workbook, and it's a 33-page PDF that takes you through my entire system step-by-step to plan out your marketing for 2016. It's really awesome, if I do say so myself. I totally poured my heart and soul into this PDF guide, and my plan is to start selling it in January and then to sell it in future years as well. But until then, I'm going to give it away for free, and I would love you to go download a copy at wellpreneuronline.com slash 2016 workbook. And you can just literally start on page one and work your way through the workbook. And by the end, you'll have a complete marketing plan for your business in 2016. It's really exciting. And I say in the guide, but I'm completely honest when I say this, I want to know how you get on with it. So I've created a couple different hashtags we can use on Instagram and Twitter so that we can keep up with what everyone else's process is, like where are you doing your workbook and what kind of discoveries have you made as you're working with it. And I'd really love to hear from you about how it goes and what you've planned for your 2016. So definitely go grab your copy of the Wellpreneur Marketing Bootcamp 2016 workbook. I put the link in the show notes. If you just tap on the picture of the episode, you can get the link right there. So you can just go sign up and download your copy of the workbook right now. Now, there's a couple other 2016 planning things going on also. This Sunday, December 6th, I'm giving a half-day workshop in London about launching your wellness business in 2016, and we're going to be talking about 2016 planning as well and creating a marketing plan to really help you get out there. 
So if you're in London or in the UK or just feel like popping over, I would love to have some podcast listeners at that workshop. You can get all the details and register at wellpreneuronline.com slash London. And the last 2016 planning thing, which I've talked about before, so last but certainly not least, is the Wellpreneur Incubator. The next incubator is starting on January 4th. And at the time I'm recording this, there's only five places left. So I don't know, this is going to air in a week. I'm recording it kind of a week in advance. So I don't know if there'll be places still left, but right now there's five spots left. And what we do during the incubator, it's a super small group program. It's eight weeks long for only 12 Wellpreneurs. And we're going to help you eliminate marketing overwhelm, create an amazing marketing plan that works for you and your business so that you can attract hundreds of ideal clients to your business in 2016, which is just awesome. I love this program. So if you feel like it might be the right thing for you, hop over to wellpreneuronline.com slash incubator. And there's a way there you can get all the details, but also there's a way that you can contact me. So if you have any questions at all, or just want to jump on the phone and chat about if it's the right next step for you, just hop over there and, um, and get in touch. Okay. So now let's jump into this interview with Diana Kelly about being a freelance wellness writer. Hi, Diana. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hi, Amanda. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, really great. I was excited to have you on the show today because I've came across you on LinkedIn, actually, randomly. And you're a freelance writer and journalist who specializes in the health and wellness space. And I thought, oh, wow, I have to have you come on and share your wisdom about content and finding experts and all this stuff around there. So I'm really glad we could make it happen. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored to be a part of the podcast. I really appreciate it. So could we start by maybe you could give us a little bit of an idea of your background and how you became a health and wellness journalist? Sure. I went to Rutgers University for journalism and from there found myself in the weight loss space and online editorial. So I worked for weightwatchers.com for a few years and then I went to Prevention Magazine and worked on their website for a few years. And once I was there, I managed their social media accounts just at the time when uh, Facebook and Twitter were really taking off. So that was a very exciting time. And that helped me later get more business as well. When I left prevention, I went freelance full-time and I worked at Bookish as a syndication editor part-time while still freelance writing for several health and wellness publications. And I'm still considering myself a full-time freelance journalist, but I also work part-time for Muscle and Fitness Hers magazine. So I have this best of both worlds situation, I think, where I'm in an office two days a week and then I work for myself the whole rest of the week. Oh, that's great. And so have you just had like a natural interest in health and wellness? Was it just kind of random that you ended up in that or how did that happen? Yeah, I grew up reading um, self and shape and things like that. And it always was of interest to me. I grew up playing sports and, you know, I used to think that working for magazines seemed so cool and you get to see it in movies and things like that. And uh, I always wanted to work in the print space, but I'm actually so fortunate that I found myself in the digital side of magazines and publishing. As much as I still do write a little bit for print magazines, I just love the speed and just, you know, natural flow of online writing and and all the wonderful ways that we can reach so many audiences. Mm. So what I think would be really interesting is a lot of the people out there listening, the Wellpreneurs really want, like would love to be featured in articles and would love to meet more people like you that are writing articles about health and wellness. So I'm curious, can you kind of give us an idea of how does this freelance writing world work? 
how do you get stories? And then how do you go finding experts and, and people to put in your stories? Sure. Well, I'm very fortunate, honestly, um, in that I've been on magazine staffs for a couple of years. So what's great about those is that the media world is always changing and people are coming and going. And I've actually stayed in touch with so many people. As you mentioned, you found me on LinkedIn and I connect with so many of my former colleagues on LinkedIn. And honestly, I like to check in with people. I like to see as a freelance writer, I can give you that background. I just check in with my editors once in a while to say like, hey, what's going on? You know, where are you assigning out for? Some print publications are right now working on their spring 2016 stories. Other places are telling me they're interested in, you know, holiday content and new year, new you. So I always find that it's best to just check in with my editors and people I already know first to see what they need, um, you know, especially sometimes there's advertising needs and things like that, that they need to fulfill certain uh, content articles around advertising campaigns. So that's like one of my first go-to tips when I feel like business is a little bit slow as a freelance writer, or I'm just uh, not as busy. And then um, honestly, as an editor for a staff magazine, I'm looking to meet people all the time at like events or people follow me on Twitter and sometimes retweet me or direct message me, which is, you know, a really nice way of reaching out. Sometimes they'll say, hey, can I email you something? And I'll respond back and let them know they can email me an idea because, you know, I don't know what's going on in, in your space as a health coach or nutritionist, like what interesting trend you're finding out. You know, you're immersed with clients and things like that. And I think that's always really interesting to know your day-to-day, what's going on and what I should be aware of to possibly share with my audience. Oh, right. So you are both, sometimes you have specific stories that you're writing that you're needing to look for people to put in, but other times you're just open to getting an interesting pitch about a new story idea. Absolutely. Yes. Both as a freelance writer and as sometimes an assigning editor for a magazine. So yeah, I mean, I love when people contact me through my website or just through Twitter. And sometimes it's a PR rep or somebody else, something interesting, like a different product and things like that. And they might say, hey, I read your article on XYZ website. So I thought this was a good fit. I mean, for me, that's helpful. It makes me, it shows me that they read something I worked on and they do have something that's hopefully a natural fit. They're not trying to shoehorn a pitch into there that doesn't fit, you know, or, but I'm fortunate that I write for a lot of magazines and websites on different topics. So there's a pretty good chance that most things might possibly have a place in a future story. But you know, whether it's a PR person who's pitching me or somebody else's story idea, I'm not just going to take that and just run with it immediately. I kind of need to do a little bit of digging. So sometimes it's helpful if perhaps you're pitching a trend or something you've noticed and you have a couple more references. Like if you're saying, oh, I saw that say Shape was writing about this and Men's Fitness was writing about this and Reader's Digest. So, you know, here's a different angle on that. That might work for me as well. Hmm. So let's talk about, because I know it sound, you make it sound so easy, like, oh, you just pitched me this idea, but I'm sure you get lots of really bad pitches. Well, I know me as a media source, as this podcast, I get lots of bad pitches. So as a journalist, you must get like horrible pitches. So can we talk about first, like what doesn't work? Like what is not the way to approach you? Right. I think something just feels so scammy and just awful. <laughs> like try this weight loss supplement. I see you write about weight loss. So this is going to work. You know, something that feels like a teeny tiny ad in the back of a magazine or something that's going to float across your screen and make you angry as an ad. <laughs> Usually it's not going to work for me as an article. 
that's a good way to do it. I mean, of course, you know, spelling mistakes and things like that. I feel like what works best is just better practices of, like I said, just kind of saying like, hey, I read something of yours. That's already going to get my attention, of course, using my name correctly. Then just saying, I read this in this place and I thought this might be a fit. I don't mind if people follow up again in like a week or two because you know, I do get so many and it might float to the bottom or I might be missing it. And so I don't mind if somebody follows up again. And I would say like a week or two, if it's very timely, you can follow up sooner because it's something I should know about. But yeah, I don't, I, or I think actually what a bad pitch is or something like if a PR person just says, hey, what are you working on? Like, I don't have time to respond to you and just say, I'm working on all of these like 10 or 15 different topics. So that's not helpful, I would say, is when somebody just says, what are you working on? Right. And what about if somebody's just like, oh, I've just made this new program and you should write about it? Because I think a lot of people do that. They just want to talk about what they're doing, but that might not actually be a story idea. Correct. Yeah, I think I would say I would like to hear a little bit more about maybe some testimonials. For me as a health journalist, like I want to see some research about something that like maybe science would back up this finding that you're having, not just that you've anecdotally tried this health program for them, but, you know, science says that, let's say, you know, eating more healthy fats will help you lose weight and you found this. And for me, I need to kind of see a little bit of the science and research behind it. And then, like I said, maybe hook it in with trends, things like that. It should feel like it's timely as well and hooked to something. That why this, why now is always important for journalists and just try to be cognizant that your journalist or editor is trying to think ahead too. So, you know, sometimes I'm looking on amazon.com to see like what books are being published next year in the health space in spring 2016. Like what are some of those trends that book publishers are seeing because we're probably going to be covering those in media as well. All right. Can you say a little bit more about the why this, why now, how to tie it in with that? Sure. So I feel like even like right now, you're seeing this week, tons of trends in America about Mediterranean diet, new studies all about possibly how consuming more olive oil can have a lower risk of breast cancer and just more trends about Mediterranean diet and things like that. So it's, I feel like if the person who's pitching me is up on the health and news trends, that is very helpful. You shouldn't just say, I've just tried this health program and it worked. So you should write about it. It's just right. What is trendy and new? And, you know, is there a celebrity that's done something similar and everybody blew up talking about them? So that gives me a hook in. Okay, cool. So when you have to do a story, then how do you go about finding experts? I do have a large database that I always enjoy adding to for nutritionists and health coaches and bloggers. I just was assigned an article for website called sonema.com. And my editors tasked me with finding like 50 greatest foods that nutritionists and healthy food bloggers keep in their kitchen. And they told me they want like 30 different sources. So, you know, I can very quickly exhaust people I already have in my Google contacts and things like that. So for those situations, it's great to just go through my Gmail and, and search for nutritionist RD and I have kind of a running list on a Google Doc of food bloggers and people I'm looking at. So I, I go through what I have first. Then I'll sometimes reach out to PR people I've worked with in the past and see if they have anybody to recommend. Because um, a lot of times like a food product company has hired a nutritionist or somebody like that. And so as much as like we're not necessarily promoting their food products, 
we, I just have like a go-to nutritionist for that. And then I'm also looking at, you know, who's following me on Twitter, people I've connected with there, people who are retweeting. I've, I found like before a really great resource on Twitter. I was working on a timely story for prevention and I needed like to talk to a nutritionist that afternoon. So I went to Twitter and was like, who can help me? And I think I used like hashtag nutritionist and included like prevention magazine's handle. And I heard back from this woman and that was a couple of years ago and she and I still work together today. She's a great resource. Um, so I'll, like, I'll look at that person and their credentials, but you know, I appreciate that people are jumping on to help journalists when we go to social media for assistance. Uh, and I also go through LinkedIn. So I try to connect with people in my circle, like health coaches, nutritionists, trainers, and I'll start searching through my contacts to see if there's somebody fresh and new who I haven't worked with before who has a good background that I can possibly include in articles. Mm, yeah, awesome. Do you ever use services like Harrow? Because I know I've heard a few yeah. times that that's a good place to find places to be interviewed. Yeah, I do use that. And I found that I use that for sometimes people like that I don't have as many contacts for. Like I've worked on some happiness articles and sleep articles for uh, Daily Burn, for example, or possibly some other websites I've gone there. So when I'm looking for people who maybe have like books out or blogs that I don't know as much about or I don't have enough time to do like all the research on that, I'll, I'll use Harrow. And I find that to be very helpful, honestly, for widening my circle of contacts. Mm. So you mentioned just before we started recording, because um, I said, oh, I found you through LinkedIn and isn't that funny? And you said, oh, I found loads of people through LinkedIn. <laughs> it's kind of off topic, but I'd love to know how you're using LinkedIn and just some tips around that because I think that could be really useful for everyone. Sure. Yeah, I do. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn and I've honestly found that it's helped my business. I've talked to other people and they've said that I find up, I show up in their searches or in their like highly recommended people in like the health and wellness and weight loss space, which is good for me. It's kind of, it's like Google search. Like when you're on the first page or the first top tier, you know, it's, you try to stay there and you try to keep showing up in the top and then you keep being referred to more people. So LinkedIn works that way as well in, in some areas. And uh, so I try to connect people after I meet them, maybe at an event or somebody I've just interviewed for a story. And then, you know, if they, I just sometimes try to send them a reminder email as well, like of who I was and maybe something we talked about. But also I try to endorse people every once in a while. Like I'll use the LinkedIn app and it'll suggest people to me or it'll say, hey, endorse them for skills. And I feel like I think that helps also, like the more you interact with the app and the site, the more that it helps you out. So sometimes go through and recommend people or endorse them for stuff and then they'll endorse you as well. And it just improves your search results. And I have found a decent amount of freelance business through LinkedIn. I would actually say it kind of comes through companies who are looking for bloggers and writers, not as much that my editors are finding me there, but it comes from, let's say, not exactly Kellogg's, but like that kind of product company. They're looking for new weight loss or nutrition bloggers or writers, and they want somebody with a lot of experience and they'll reach out to me that way. Oh, right. So it's not like using the LinkedIn groups at all. It's actually they're searching for like freelance health writer and your profile comes up. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I would say like, look at people's profiles who you admire or who's coming up in your top searches or people who you would like to look like their profile and look at the words they're using, whether it's social media marketing, content strategy, you know, put in those keywords into your profile. Um, I also have my LinkedIn profile in my email signature. So I think that helps people too. Mm -hmm. And I link to it for my website. So I, <laughs> I just say I'm kind of a little small ambassador unpaid for LinkedIn, but I really think it helps people. <laughs> um, 
find business and jobs. And yeah, I tell people to kind of update it every once in a while, like at least once every two weeks or definitely maybe at least once a month. And if you're afraid of people getting those notifications every time you're updating it, you can turn that off too. But do you mean, why do you mean update your, you mean actually update your profile? Like what? Yeah, update your profile, like put in a new word, you know, at just maybe go through and see if there's somebody new to connect to because I get emails from LinkedIn saying, oh, let's say Amanda Cook just connected with these three people on LinkedIn. Like all of a sudden now you're showing up in my email box and thinking about you. So I think the more you work with it, especially if you have signed up to get those emails, you're showing up in other people's feeds and in their inbox. And, you know, maybe you connected to somebody I know. And now like, I'm just thinking about you more. I just, you know, we're all so busy. I think the more you can just kind of get in front of people in ways that doesn't feel super intrusive, like a website is recommending you or just saying you're doing something interesting, or you just celebrated a 10 year anniversary. Like I'm inclined to go on and just say, Hey, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Let's change gears a little bit. Um, because I think a lot of the people listening, well, I know the majority of the people listening actually (laughs) are creating content in the health and wellness space because we're blogging or maybe there's, there's some other podcasters out there that I know or creating videos and also their social media content. And so you're an expert in creating health and wellness content. So I wonder if you could kind of share some advice or tips or, and and we can kind of just see where this goes, but I feel like you have so much wisdom in that area. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun for me. And I think that comes across, of course, I'm sure with your audience as well. Like people just get when you're passionate about something and you have experience in it and you're trying to find just new angles and ways in. I took this one great class a while ago about editing and writing. And my instructor told me, you know, we went through like magazines, like business and sports magazines. And she's like, okay, you know, what's the health angle here? You know, what's the business angle here? Like, look at one article and try to find all these different ways in and different ways of spinning a story, I would call it. And I think that's fun and interesting to do, you know, with any idea you have. So whether it's just generating ideas of things you're doing day to day. And then sometimes you can just think, oh, like what's, what's interesting about what I'm doing and what's the angle for this website or what's the angle for that website? Because each website is going to be a little bit different and unique in their voice and tone. And, you know, you're going to have to change your pitches to editors if you're sharing that article with them. But also if you're just trying to generate ideas, I think it's, I mean, I do love looking on Twitter to see what's working. I like looking on Facebook to see the conversations that uh, friends are having or what they're sharing. So I think even with like health and weight loss, I love, I love getting out of New York City because I do think we live in this odd bubble. <laughs> and, um, you know, I go home to my family in the Philadelphia, South Jersey area, and I listen to like what they're talking about with health, fitness and weight loss. And that gives me a little bit broader sense of what maybe other people in America are talking about, especially, you know, we're all in this space and we think, oh, maybe everybody's talking about sunflower seed butter or like, you know, we just tend to get a little bit in our own worlds and not know what's actually going to catch with a wider audience. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just idea generation, like getting out of your box and getting away from your computer sometimes and trying to go to events and meet new people. But yeah, I feel like idea generation I would say set aside time for it too. Like give yourself, you know, half a day and just, you know, turn off maybe your email and just write ideas down on a Word document or just go through your day and think, okay, get up in the morning. What's the angle here for something? Just go through 
everything you're doing, conversations you've had and, and come up with a bunch of fun story ideas and you'll get excited about it. Mm-hmm. I'm always a fan of like always having a little notebook with me or Evernote on my phone because it's like you said, sometimes you'll be out and you'll overhear a conversation and then you can think, oh, that would be a great idea to write about yeah, on the blog. And absolutely. you capture it right then or you forget about it. Yeah, yeah, I do that. I um, I try to save some web pages on my phone or I've got like, yeah, like a little notepad my phone and just, you know, I think it's important to get away from your desk and, you know, whether you're going to fitness classes or just going out with your friends and paying attention to what they're saying and what they're not saying or, you know, I'm always amused like when my friends share the health headlines they're hearing in the media with me (laughs) or they're like, oh, I I heard this is really good for you. And Mm -hmm. so they'll kind of ask me about it and I'm like, well, do you want my honest answer or do you want, (laughs) what do you want to hear, you know? But I'm sure your your listeners are kind of in that same space. Sometimes we're biting our tongues with what to say or, Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, yeah, media can just, we jump on research and hooks and share something. But I tell people, dig a little bit deeper. Don't just like read that headline, you know, read the story. And then if they link to the study, like (laughs) if you want to nerd out, like check out the study. Maybe it was done on mice or maybe it was done on five women for three weeks. (laughs) Like I just try to tell people to dig a little bit more for their information, like when they ask me about stuff. But Mm -hmm. I rely on my social circles online and in real life for story ideas as well. Well, it is funny what you said, how we kind of live in this little bubble. And so like we assume, okay, just for example, like green smoothies. Oh my gosh. Haven't we been talking about green smoothies for years? (laughs) But actually the majority of the world doesn't actually know what a green smoothie is. (laughs) It's just because we're in this like crazy bubble where we all eat kale. Like a lot of people still don't even know about kale. Maybe they do now, but like up until very recently. So I think it's really helpful to pull it back for the people Absolutely. listening that are like, you got to always go back to who's the person reading this? Who's your Absolutely. ideal customer? And where are they at? Like, what do they know about? And what are they searching for? And how much knowledge do they have? And I think it's so tempting for us to write for our peers, like other people that are like us, but actually like we're not buying health coaching from each other. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You're trying to, of course, not dumb it down, but you're trying to address perhaps the wider audience, like you said, if you're trying to get a new business and you really want to educate people on the health benefits of green smoothies, you know, you need to say that in an intellectual way and all the health benefits and maybe back it up with research, but give people some takeaways. But um, at the same time, it depends on who you're writing for. If you want to, you know, cater to this very wealthy client who you know is spending thousands of dollars a year on like personal training classes and you know, meal delivery system, you know, it depends on who you're writing for. And I think, like you said, that's very important to address the client you want to bring in. So one really common problem is I think that we try to cram too much into one article. So you imagine like most of the people here writing blog posts about health and wellness. And it's like, how do you even know how much to put in? So do you try to put everything into one post? Do you try to just cover like one little idea? Do you dumb it down? Do you try to show research? Like, how do you handle that of knowing how much to share? Because health can be quite complicated. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And we all are going to get so excited about sharing more information with our readers, right? But we have to understand that people don't want to (laughs) read long articles online. So I think maybe you just, if you are just writing and you've got all these great ideas and just let it flow, go back and think like, what's the main takeaway I want people to come away from this article, like if we were saying back to the green smoothies, it's like health benefits of green smoothies, you know, like you need to hone in on that. Maybe that's your angle. It's not 
I just want to talk about green smoothies and you could go on for, you know, a book's worth of content. You need to focus on what it is. And I would say, you know, keep it to a certain number, like five to eight, maybe 10, you know, that kind of a thing. And just keep honing in on like, let's say the health benefits of something and that can be research backed. But, you know, you don't want to just say like, I want to talk about sleep. Well, you know, you need to focus. Is it what to do all day to get a better night's rest? And then you're focusing on those lifestyle habits. So I would say focus on what the takeaway is you want your clients and readers to have. And then if you have more great ideas around it, that's fantastic. Just come up with more blog posts and spread them out later. Yeah, you can always do a series. Absolutely. Yeah. You can just say, hey, I'm writing about sleep. So this is my first installment. You know, check back next week and then make sure you're linking all of them to one another. And that's even, you know, something not to just keep going back to LinkedIn, but they have posts there. And that's like a place where maybe if people don't know to come to your website, you can post a portion of your blog or that kind of article there and then link to your website. So you might tease out people, you know, if you're writing about something or saying Ooh. perhaps sleep or something like that, just say like, hey, I just wrote this article. And maybe give them an intro and like a nugget or two of information, like a takeaway, and then link to your blog or your website to read more. And that's just a nice way to get traffic. And just, again, you're showing up in people's feeds who maybe aren't coming directly to your website every day. Yeah, good tip. Thank you. I'm curious, what's your personal writing strategy? Like, how do you write productively or efficiently? Is that something <laughs> I know, I'm like, what comes to mind is avoid, 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 and then start working right before the deadline. <laughs> Honestly, I, you know, of course, we all need deadlines. And when I do my best work, I write the story at least the day before the deadline and let it sit overnight. And then the next day, edit it and maybe print it out and do all that stuff if I'm really giving myself the leisure of having enough time. And if it's for like possibly a longer feature article with a couple of sources, that's the best work I feel like I do. But I probably only do that 10% of the time. So most times I'm writing on or working on it before an article is due. I, I first contact my sources. I get in information. You know, I compile it together. I make sure I go back to the email that my editor, you know, what was the assignment? Make sure that what I'm writing is not just the information I got in, but how it's working with the assignment that I was given to make sure it's all working with that idea. And then I also put on egg timer. I know it's really weird, but E dot ggtimer.com. And I kind of give myself this focus of work for 25 minutes and then you can take a break. And 25 minutes goes by so quickly. So I sometimes find that, you know, that helps me get the groove and just focus mm -hmm. how I work. And then, yeah, I, I mean, try to give myself time between finishing writing and then sending it off to the editor because we all make mistakes and we all need editors. And yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much. So I guess we're getting to the end of our time together, but could you kind of let people know where they can get in touch with you or maybe even how you can help them out? Sure. Thanks, Amanda. You can find me on dianakelly.com. That's D-I-A-N-A-K-E-L-L-Y.com. You can email me at diana at dianakelly.com. You can also check out my portfolio there. I love helping people with, let's say, writing, blogging, social media management, you know, digital strategy in all forms. And I do like to hear from new nutritionists and health coaches. And, you know, I welcome ideas if I don't get back to you right away. <laughs> you know, please don't uh, be hurt. It's just uh, kind of busy, but follow up. And I would love to hear from more of your readers and your, and your listeners and your audience. Yeah, watch out. You might get flooded, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fine. Yeah, as long as they don't take it personal, if I don't get back to them. But yeah, actually, if they reached out and said they heard about me through your podcast, that would be wonderful. It'd be good to know that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Diana. Thank you, Amanda. This was so fun. And best of luck to you and your listeners. Thank you. 
much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. You can get all the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com slash 89, or just by tapping on the picture of the podcast on your phone, and it will bring you directly to the show notes. Now, don't forget to go download your copy of the Wellpreneur Marketing Bootcamp 2016 Workbook, which is available at wellpreneuronline.com slash 2016 Workbook. And you totally need to get a copy of this and please carve out an hour or two in the next couple of weeks before the holiday craziness sets in to take a look back at 2015, what worked, what didn't, and also look ahead to where you'd like to be at this time next year and then go through the workbook step by step and I'll take you through to develop your entire marketing plan for 2016. It's really awesome. And I'm so happy to be able to help you in this way. So don't miss this opportunity to take a moment before we get crazy and before just things slide into January to actually get some perspective on your situation and make a plan so that you can hit your goals next year and grow your wellness business. I really feel like 2016 is building so much momentum. I've been connecting with a lot of you on Instagram and on Periscope, which has just been brilliant. And I feel like we're really, like I said, building this momentum to take our wellness businesses to the next level and really reach so many more people, hundreds and thousands of more people with our message of health and wellness. You can do it. All you need to do is take some time this year to get really clear on where you're going and put a plan in place and we can get there together. So I hope you have a fantastic week and best of luck in your wellness business. And I will see you back here next week with the next episode. 